Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you as we bring you Texans All Access with the head coach of your Texans, as promised, Lovey Smith. Here he is. How's it going, Coach? That's good. Can't complain about anything. All right. Well, it's great to have you on the show, and congratulations. Uh, we haven't talked in this format yet, but how has the first week been? Why don't you take us through what it's been like for you getting adjusted since you've been named head coach of the team? Well, the first week is uh, going by quickly, it seemed like. About a, well, I guess a week ago, we, we had the press conference. and The first sort of business, uh, uh, I don't know if you heard, but I've done this. This is my third time doing it. <laughs> yeah, uh, we've heard. Every, uh, and I knew it then, the first art of business is to get the staff together. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as, you know, the press conference day was over, even, you know, you start putting, you know, trying to get the staff together as soon as possible. And that couldn't have gone any better. It helps a lot when you, you know, when you're keeping some of the, you know, some of the coaches, of course, from the previous staff. And, uh, but right now we're almost there, which is, which has never happened. It's normally it's taken a lot longer, of course, to get the staff together. Coach, after you've done it, like you said, three times, are the wheels always kind of turning about, hey, this guy might want to keep on the staff, this guy might want on the staff, hey, this guy's over here, I liked having him, or I like hearing about him. Are, you, are your wheels always kind of turning of guys that you're thinking about having on a staff that, hey, if it does turn into another opportunity for me, I'm going to keep these guys kind of the back of my mind that I might want to be on my staff. Does that kind of happen over the years? I think when you're – if you're aspiring to be a head football coach, yes, you think that way. But just in general, guys you're working with, you know, you know, you're competing against this guy yeah. that's maybe a quarterback coach, and you just say, "Hey, this is a good coach right here." I think you're looking at it that way as right. as much as anything. And I talked about like a you know, someone on the offensive side of the football, and then defensively, of course, you're working with guys each day, and and from the people that you know. You know, I've been, you know, as you, you see the beard, I've been doing it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, uh, a little bit. Experience that you had of, uh, you know, just being around different guys that you knew were good football coaches. And if you're ever in that position, of course, you would try to, you know, put, put them on your staff, and that's the case. How much of the day-to-day job is coaching the players and how much is coaching the coaches, managing their jobs? Well, the first is about the coaches. Great point. Uh, it's that first mm-hmm. and for us to be on the same page. And once we're on the same page, and when I say on the same page, with how we do everything, with how we coach, uh, organization, you know, defining roles, and then as we talk about getting good coaches, and to me, then you let them do their job. Mm-hmm. As an assistant coach, all I wanted was uh, the person that was uh, over me. When I was position coach to coordinate and then the head football coach to tell me my role, what I'm responsible for, and let me do my job. And I try to do the same thing, of course, being in a leadership role. Coach, you mentioned it's been, it's been three times, but you were at the Bears, Illinois, and the Buccaneers, but you were never an assistant coach there for a year like you were here. How does it make it different that you had the opportunity to be here for a year as associate head coach and defensive coordinator before stepping into the head coach role? Well, that's the u- unique part about what happened here. You're right. Normally, in other uh, positions I've gone in, didn't know anyone coming right. in. So there was a grace period of getting the staff together, getting to know the players. I mean, I, I need a map to get all those things. <laughs> uh, we're long past that here, yeah. and that's why this has been good. We're, uh, we're on to football, and the evaluations that you make when you come into a new place, for the most part, we know the players already. So 
that's the, you know, why there's so much excitement that we feel like we have a foot forward already and that should lead to hopefully more wins. All right, let's sink our teeth into the offense here, Coach. You mentioned Davis Mills during your press conference, Pep Hamilton, your offensive coordinator. How will it change, evolve? What can you share with us right now about how the offense is going to look in 2022? Well, I think that's a little hard right now, (laughs) this early, but I'll just talk uh, personnel-wise first. And as I say it then, I got a chance to see a lot of Davis Mills, Mm -hmm. you know, early on when he was just coming here trying to figure out how to get, you know, from the hotel to the facility. He was throwing against the one defense. Got got a chance to see in them, getting a chance to see his demeanor, how he handled things, all those things. And then to see him just keep working every day. And eventually, you tell we tell players that always. Eventually, if you deserve to play, you're going to get a chance to. It worked out that way for Davis. So starting off with that kind of gives us a foot forward a little bit and why I'm so excited about he's still a young football player. And you mentioned Pep Hamilton. Knowing Pep, I've seen Pep. I remember when Pep was a young coach, mm-hmm. you know, and he's, he's all the things he needed to do to keep moving up the ladder. And, and eventually he's going to be a head football coach. I've seen that happen. And I know his football mind and how he thinks, you know, he's got a defensive uh, mentality a little bit about, you know, tough, hard-nosed football, how important the running game is and some of those things. On the defensive side of the ball, Coach, what was the biggest thing for you in the improvement you saw – in your guys from week one all the way through week 18. What did you see that was made you the most happy as the defensive coordinator that you hope translates now as your head coach? Well, on what I saw, you know, you go back to the Jacksonville game. I thought played pretty good. I uh, did a whole lot of good things during that time. Uh, what we had to go through, and that was, uh, you know, last offseason wasn't a typical offseason. Sure. I'm hoping we have a traditional offseason yep. where we were zooming and we didn't do an awful lot in offseason. I'm hoping we can go old school and be able to, you know, phase, uh, you know, regular offseason, yeah. phase one, phase two, phase three, all of those things. So what, uh, what I was able to see a little bit from the players is some of those things, but um, as we were going through yeah. and the progress that I, I saw a little bit is early on just trying to establish who we are. You know, every time I talk about defensive football, I'm going to talk about taking the ball away. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it takes a little bit to get guys to buy into that. And when you're new coming in, first it's just about the, some of the basic fundamentals, keeping your uh, – you know, we play a, a, a gap sound defense of just taking care of your business instead of just, you know, trying to do too much. Just my role, establishing that. You know, getting the players to – you know, it's also about, you know, playing hard, all of those things. We got some of those things done, but then injuries hit you. And then you start playing a whole lot of players that didn't get as many reps, and some of those reps we missed in all season start showing up. So we went through a little adversity. That's what I like. And then the guys came back. Yeah, Came back. You know, we were supposed to be the Titans and uh, the, the Chargers and some of those teams. And then I, what we saw, though, the guys fought hard every week. Yeah. So there was a lot of things we saw from them that way that kind of – gives us excitement as we go forward now. All right. Do you get the early practice advantage being a new head coach and you get to go to work on the field earlier with the team, right? Yeah, well, we can start, you know, without going over. I hadn't talked to our players about when we're going to start. I'll just say (laughs) as soon as we can start as a new team is when we will. Mm -hmm. There's an awful lot that we can get done. You know, some of our players are kind of rehabbing right now, but uh, looking forward to that turning that, you know, that new year starting where we can actually get out there and uh, 
start teaching the guys. You can get so much work done in the offseason before you get to training camp and some of those things. How do you get ready for Sunday? And I ask you that because there were a couple times that I know Tennessee, they have that interview room next door where we always put our stuff. And so I walked in and I didn't see you. And you were just in the chair, just kind of kicked back, kind of arms crossed. And you were just quiet, just focused. What do you do to get ready for a game? You just find a quiet spot and kind of just go off and just get in the right mindset. What do you do to get ready for a game? Well, first, it kind of starts is what you do that previous week. Right. And uh, we have a routine on what we do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Right. And once you get to Saturdays and those periods, it's not a whole lot more you can do then. Sure. Hey, is in the born, whatever you have to say. Now it's just, you know, playing out the game in your head, situational football. That's yeah. what I'm doing most of those times. And, uh, and everything from uh, when I say situational football, um, it's what we're going to call in these situations. Right. And it's about here's personnel. Here's the down and distance, and here's the things that we like to do. So just play that game out in my mind as much as anything. Try to get the guys to do the same thing. Yep. All that work has to be done before you get there, and that was the case. We've seen so much analytics talk in football over the last few years in particular, Coach. And you know some of the things you were just describing, are these things you go through in the offseason as well? What would we do in these situations, and, and how do you work on that way outside of the season so you're ready when the regular season arrives. Well, you're working in that, on that constantly, yes. Uh, all season, end season, training camp, each game week we have a sequence that we go through to put the guys in the situations that come up uh, in the game. And I'm talking about, you know, if it's uh, short yardage, third and one, on the goal line, this is what we're going to do. Uh, red zone, these are the calls. Two-minute situations, all of these things, and just situational football that comes up, you constantly preaching them it's going to start in off season for us to go over those and analytics analytics has been around a long time mm -hmm. a lot of emphasis is placed on it right now but still there's it's you know things you can have subjective things where you can use analytics all that you like mm -hmm. but in that situation on fourth and short it's got to be more than just if it was as simple as that Anybody would be should right. be doing it. Right. Just this says you do this every time. Right. It's a lot more to that. The feel of the game, mm -hmm. uh, the the weather doing. It's so many things right. like that, and that's what we do every day. We come in. You're just trying to go over as many of those situations as possible, and have a plan before it happens on the, in a game. Mark wants you to play more Madden, so you get <laughs> <No>. used to. <laughs> he I wants did not to, say he wants that. To do a little bit of that, coaches. You, we're now entering a period of you still finalizing the staff, you're still getting yes. some of those things together, which is obviously hugely important. Then, from a team-building standpoint, free agency comes, yes. and that's the business of football. How tough is that well, for you from the standpoint of you coach some guys, you probably got close to guys, you asked them to do a lot last year as defensive coordinator, and they did a lot for you, but then they're moving on or you're not re-signing them. How tough is the business of football for you as a head coach, as a defense coordinator, to kind of go through to see guys that you like, you grew close to, but then they move on? Well, you know, from coming from the college game, you have to kind of realize that a little bit. And a part of the NFL is that each year it's a different team. Yeah. And, of course, for us, there were, what, 30, over 30 new players last year. So you just have to build that in. Yeah. Know that you can have to deal with things like that. You know, coming from the college game, it's about recruiting. Yeah. So it's the same way, except for in the NFL, you can really give the guys money and stuff. All right? And <laughs> uh, not get in trouble. Uh, but yeah. uh, So that, that's a part of it. And you just start selling. 
Also now, word gets around on how you do things. Yeah. Guys talk. You know, social media, there's no secrets on how you do things. Yeah. And we all have a history on how we do things. Hopefully our history says when, you know, possible free agents out there, they see who we put on our staff. Yeah. You start asking around and say, okay, let's try this. Also for teams, what I've found too is that it didn't matter what happened the year before. Uh, Cincinnati won four games the year before. Then yep. the Super Bowl this year. So teams aren't just looking at, you know, your record. And you're looking at everything. Uh, do we love living in Houston? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, you know, the Texans, do we have a history of good playing good football? Yes. We just need to get back there. So there's a lot of positive things out there. And I can't wait for free agency to happen. And there's a lot of things I can't wait for, you know. Uh, next, we have the combine coming up. Yeah. You know, all the guys. Uh, it was great watching uh, the all-star games, mm-hmm. uh, trying to get some of our free agents back. And then, of course, the draft. There's a lot of things we can do, of course, to improve our ball club. And uh, I'm ready and can't wait for every step along the way. We just got through with the Super Bowl and the entire postseason. A lot of close games, and it seems like there are a lot of teams that are right there. What can you tell us about what you observed in the postseason? Any trend, any reaction or feedback from it at all? No, what I got from it is just what you said. There was, look at how close every game. It seemed like every game just came right down into the field goal or the last play. There's parity in the league. You start with that. And it's just the greatest game in sports, football too, uh, the Super Bowl. Just look at everything that came with the Super Bowl. Just being able to be in this league and having a chance when everybody starts over, uh, that's what I'm just so pumped up about. And the Texans have been up before, mm-hmm. and it wasn't that long ago. And I just can't wait. And, and looking forward to the climb to get back up there. Coach, we talked about this a little bit back in the in the summer the fact that we saw your wife she was here miles is here you get to work with miles every day yeah. on the defensive side of the ball uh being a coach's son i know that's it can be tough from his perspective and he and i talked about that as well but from a father's perspective and a defensive coordinator's perspective how cool is it that you get to share those moments and share the year with your son and coach with him well a couple of different thoughts on that first off just as a coach all right my role last year as a defensive coordinator, you know, I can't tell you how many times if we weren't together, I was calling, we're talking football. Yeah. Talk mm-hmm. football pretty much 24-7. And I know he's going to take my call every time, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So just talking football and us being on the same page with how we – then on how we wanted to play defensive yeah. football, that is special. And uh, I can remember when I was a young coach, I had quite a few answers. And to see a younger me yeah. and him coming up yeah. with a whole lot of answers. And, yeah. and most of the time he's right. I feel like I was right back then too. Right. So that is pretty neat. But then you bring in, in the father-son to be able to yeah. work with somebody that you care that much about. Uh, again, special time. Coach, here we are in the building, and the rodeo is going to be here soon, but soon enough it will be time for Texans games again. And you talked about the fourth phase during yes. the press conference. and. I grabbed onto that, Coach. I, I think Johnny and I are the fifth or sixth phase, but yeah. the fourth phase being the fans and how important that is to what you're trying to get done here. And I think a lot of people reacted very positively to that. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, and that's what I've seen. All right. Uh, you know, after I became the head football coach, you know, there's been some days still going. I mean, and the amount of people coming up to me, Coach, this is what we're going to do. 
Mm. We, 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 we're going to get back. Got faith in you. And it's one thing, though, to go out there. Oh, just picture practice. I mean, our guys like going out to practice. But without anybody cheering, it's not quite the same. <laughs> when you're at home and you had that home crowd, when you look at them and they're just there with you, that gives you a little bit more. And that's what it's about here. I've been on the other side, too, when you had to come into, uh, into Houston and play the Texans. And you knew that, you know, it's going to be loud. They're going to play hard. It just gives you a little bit more juice and energy to play and just can't wait for us. It's going to come a day. This past year, there were a lot of empty seats, rightfully so. We didn't have a good enough product. I guess the last couple of years it hadn't been. It's our job to put a better product on the football field, and that four phase is going to come back out. All right, Coach, as a graduate of a Texas high school playing Texas high school football, and like you, I played my last game over in the Astrodome. Did you guys honestly beat teams at Big Sandy an average of 59-1 to 1 when you were a senior? Uh, not that it's hard for me to remember, but since you brought it up. Though, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty obscene. Hey, just think about, uh, you know, on a, on a team and you win 96-0. I think we had one game where it's 96-0, but those were some good days. But uh, I have to throw this out there. David Overstreet yeah. was the 13th player in the national foot in the in the NFL draft, playing at a the smallest class in the yeah. smallest class in, in in of Texas at the time. You're going to win a whole lot of games, and we had a lot of uh, good football players, and those were special times. And uh, none of us have forgotten any of them. Believe me. Coach, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate the time. Good luck. Thanks for having me on. Here's Coach Lovey Smith joining us on Texans All Access. Coming up, one of the coach's former players, Daniel Manning, played for him with the Bears and with the Houston Texans here, of course. Drew Doherty catches up with him, along with some other stuff coming your way here on Texans All Access. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you on Texans All Access. Well, Johnny, uh, feedback from the Coach Lovey visit. Boy, that's our first, and that was a good one. And we didn't even scratch the surface oh, of where I want to go, but we did a lot of offseason stuff. It was good. It was good for a week in, I think. Well, we'll see him against Combine, mm-hmm. so we'll get another opportunity to Combine and kind of see how things have gone uh, thus far. But I, I just I, I just love talking to him. And, and I asked a question about getting ready for a game because I would see him well, we'd be on the road. Like, you you and Dre go on up to the press box, and I'm mm-hmm. kind of running around downstairs, and I would see him in different places, and he would just find a folding chair and just be across from the locker room or in the interview room. And I remember San Francisco, he was just in a folding chair, just across from the locker room, just kind of arms crossed, just kind of in his own, mm-hmm. just getting ready to go ball. And I was like, I'm a ball of nervous energy. Like, you know me, I'm moving around, I'm moving all over the place. I mean, I'm going up, I'm going down, I'm doing interviews, doing that. Like, I have to do that to kind of keep me going. And he's just like, chilling out. Yeah. Just getting in a mode. Just zen. Getting, in, getting in the right the right football zen. And I always thought that was really cool. But that's just kind of how he approaches everything. Just really calm, cool. But when he has to deliver a message, he'll deliver a message. Oh, yeah. And it's going to be interesting. Uh, he mentioned practicing earlier. Early April they can practice right, because yeah. it's a coaching change. Huge. And he said the players didn't know yet, so get ready, players. It'll be interesting to see how they handle it because the rules have changed as yeah. far as what they can and can't do right. on the field during OTA times, right? Yeah. They're not allowed to get overly physical like they used to. Not that they got overly physical with right. the padded practices. They couldn't do that. But what we saw last year, they weren't 
even close to what they were a couple of years before. It's the new CBA. It's just the way things are being done right now. But they can get so much mental work done and enough on-air reps to get to know the offense better. Man, this is Mills in year two and some of the younger guys from last year, and we'll see what they get in the draft and all that. There's at least some some foundation of what you're going to have, especially, like you said, with Davis Mills. But, you know, the defense is going to come in, the guys that are carried over, and they're going to see Lovey. And go, okay, yeah, yeah. We, we recognize we this. this. We know this call. And I, instead of going back to square one, maybe you go back a little bit. Just, to, hey, reminders, mm-hmm. let's move forward, and then you can get to that point. I, I thought he, he detailed the progress from week one through the season really well and yep. in, in how it came to be. And, you know, depth becomes a, becomes an issue. Right. How do you overcome that? And I think they did that by the end of the year, and he really like, th- captured that pretty well. All right, thank you, Johnny. Drew Doherty now catches up with Daniel Manning, and I know the coach had a lot to say about him, but we'll get that done in a future visit. Players who played for him. We've got a Brian Erlacher interview up on the website on the Texans app as well. Here's Drew with Daniel Manning. It's not often that I can say I covered this guy's final high school game, but I also covered his final NFL game. I don't know that I can say it about anybody, but the man himself, D-Man, Danielle Manning, he was a Houston Texan here, you know, really when the team first found the postseason for the first time, and then you had a, a, st- a second stint with the club, but it's good to catch up with you, man. I missed you. How are you, Danielle? And I'm blessed. Um, I'm really blessed, man. Just relaxing, taking it easy and enjoying life. Missing my guys. Yeah. You know, I've been keeping up with the, with the Texans and we struggled a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we have. Been struggling. But brighter days ahead are ahead, and we'll get into that a little bit later on in the the, uh, the podcast. But you said something yeah. interesting there. You said you've been taking it easy, and I don't believe you because if you're farming, if you're ranching, you can't be taking it easy, and that's kind of what oh, you're man. doing, right? Yeah. yeah, it's um, it's pretty it's pretty wild. You know, we got cattle and horses, and it's it's wild getting into the ranching, out there shooting guns and throwing hatchets and <laughs> just living the country life, man. Country life. And you're here still in Texas, are you not? I am. I have a house here in Burleson. Okay. And uh, that's how I'm just doing that, man. Watching my kids grow up. I got one getting ready to head to college. I don't know where he's going, but uh, yeah, pretty excited. You just made me feel old because let's rewind back to the fall of 2000. You were a senior at Corsicana. You were right. playing in the playoffs. It was pretty deep in the playoffs, if I remember correctly. You were playing against Denton Ryan Denton at Ryan. Texas Stadium, the old Cowboys home field. And I was in the press box. I was covering it for a website that doesn't even exist anymore, but I covered all the, the big high school games back then. And mm. you were playing in the defensive backfield, I think safety. And basically, if you were on the right side of the field, the opposing quarterback didn't even look your way. He stayed on the <laughs> left side. If you were on the left side, it was the same thing. He only went to the right side because you – were essentially the size you were in the NFL and almost as fast it seemed like. And you, you looked like you were a uh, – What they say, man amongst boys? you man amongst boys, yeah. That was fun, man. Yeah, that was that was my heyday. Yeah. Man, I, that's so far away. I look at my kids and now I'm like, wow. I don't know if I – I don't know how I did that play. <laughs> but it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> so your oldest is in high school heading into college next year maybe? Or what's the story? Yeah, that's what it is. Um, he's narrowing it down. I, I live here in Burleson, and I mm-hmm. keep pushing TCU. And okay, uh, he likes it, but he's like, "Man, I'm just taking my time. I'm doing whatever comes to me." So fair enough. Yeah. Well, 
take me uh, take me back. So you, you play Corsicana, you go out west for a little bit, you get into the NFL, and you're a Chicago Bear, uh, and you were part of a defense that was really, really nasty when Lovey Smith yeah. was in charge. What was that like when you get into the NFL? Take me through that. Well, I can say this. When I, when I got in, I didn't know what to expect. I was just playing ball, and I thought getting drafted, I thought I knew everything. But Lovey took me in and showed me what football is all about, you know. And, man, it was fun. All those years, going back and forth to the playoffs, definitely the Super Bowl, and just learning ball, just hearing the stories he had in his life and how he made it to hit where he is now. And similar backgrounds. He's from uh, Gladewater or Big Sandy. Yeah, Big Sandy. Mm-hmm. Big Sandy. And uh, just tell, talking about how we all grew up, country boys and, we made it and having a good time. A lot of a lot of crazy stories he's telling me, but uh, yeah, that was, that was that was great. Continuing with where are they now? As Drew Doherty speaks with former Texans and Bears safety Daniel Manning. Yeah, the other night I zoomed with a couple of your old teammates, Devin Hester, the return okay. man, as well as Brian Urlacher, Hall of Fame linebacker, and they both were just so excited that Lovey was back as a head coach in the NFL. Mm-hmm. They they talked about how he was a players coach in that. Hey, if you had an idea and you saw something Wednesday in practice that you knew was not going to work in the game, you could go to him and say, listen, Lovey, I don't think that's that's a great idea. Here's why. And he would scrap it and he would work with you and make things happen. Other than being a player's coach, what's your what's your memory about Lovey that makes you think this guy's this is the reason this guy is a successful head coach? Man, like you saying, those guys know exactly what he how he is. He, he listens to you. And um competitive spirit and he's very stern uh but he wants to win and he wanted to make men everywhere he goes you know and i'm glad he had the opportunity to coach in college because he got to prove that again but uh one-on-one meetings with lovey i I know head coaches normally don't coach a position Mm -hmm. but uh he was he was coaching me up at nickel then we have our one-on-one talks and one-on-one meetings and he had me reaching out to guys about this position and how to make it and how to be a professional in the NFL. And that was, that was something I needed and he knew it. So that, that was a great, that was a great time. You know, and that's something that I saw from you when you came to the Texans, as far as helping other guys on other sides of the ball too, on, on mm-hmm. offense as well. I mean, I, I remember you chit-chatting and getting in guys ears and saying, Hey, I saw this. I noticed this, this could be better. Uh, I noticed when you do this, the other guy might count. You know, you were always very proactive about that and not in a pushy way, not in a, you know, yeah. listen to me type of way. It was, it was, Hey, I want this by telling you this, it's going to help us win. Yeah. Did you kind of yeah. get a little bit of that from Lovey? I did. I, I really did. And, and he, he did promote that. He promoted that with everybody on the team, whether you were the guy on the bench and never probably got the chance to play and or the starters. I mean, he was personable with, with the media at times and, I mean, he's just a great guy to be around, you know, like like an uncle or dad, you know, I, I got to know his sons pretty well, his uh-huh. wife. And they were they man, lovely family. And uh, I'm, I'm happy for love. I, I really am. Yeah, it was really cool. They were a lot of them were there yesterday at the press conference. So you had a great run there in Chicago and then you're a free agent. And thankfully yeah. for the Texans, you come to town during the lockout and you sign on the same day with cornerback Jonathan Joseph. And instantly, you two were two big reasons 
The defense went from being the worst in the NFL in 2010 to being one of the best, if not the best, mm-hmm. just one season later. Why did yeah. you choose Houston? You take the money out of it. Why did you choose the Texans? Well, I wanted to play in my back, my home state, mm-hmm. you know, and um, Dallas and Houston. Well, I grew up a Cowboys fan. I'm not too far from Dallas. so We won't hold that against you. Nah, nah. And, I, and I'm glad because it, it turned out great. Sure. But, you know, I, I said, man, I got to get back home. And Houston, the players that they had, the young guys that we had, we, we, they had something there. And I wanted to be a part of that. I remember D'Amico Ryan giving me a call. You know, he had a great year this year. Yes, he did. And D'Amico called me and said, hey, man, we can be living legends if you come here. And I'm like, cool. Yeah. I, I'm going to take that up, pick that offer up. Yeah. yeah, that's not light talk coming from a guy like that, is it? Nah. <laughs> nah, D'Amico, cool D- D- one of a kind, man. One of a kind. So once you get here and you get through the first day of signing and everything, what was it like getting into that locker room, getting accustomed to things and, and learning that Wade Smith defense? Because you were you were just like everybody else in the locker room, and that was a new defense for them. They were going from 4-3 to his 3-4. Right. Well, you know what? Those guys in that locker room, man, you could see that they wanted to win. Mm-hmm. And at that point, that's all you really need to jail. And I just felt like I was one of those guys. I've been, I felt like I've been there. All, as long as those guys been there, I've been there. And uh, just the atmosphere was right for that team, for that organization, and for that city. It, it, was, it was right. Yeah, so. and the, the start to that season, it's lots of ups, lots of downs. I mean, you guys played in some phenomenal games. You beat the Steelers. They'd been in the Super Bowl the year before. You have a shootout in New Orleans with Drew Brees at the height of his powers with the Saints. Yeah. You know, yeah, you guys go great. three and three to start things out, but then you guys really go on a tear. You win six, seven straight and kind of lock things up in the mm-hmm. division, all the while losing guys like Mario, losing Matt Schaub and Matt Liner, getting TJ Yates in there. Losing, right. you know, at times Andre Johnson and, and Arian Foster basically were tag teaming, you know, tagging in, tagging out because of hamstring injuries. True, true, man. That was that was that was a test of that team, man. Um, injury prone. Next man up. Uh, you got ooh. injured for goodness' sake. You broke your leg and you still came yeah. back for goodness' sake. Yeah, yeah, man. That again, that's testament of that team, the training staff, man. I, I know I still talk to some of those guys and the doctors, man. Um, it was just a wild year, man. It was, it was. You couldn't write a better script than that. Even though we didn't win the Super Bowl or whatever, but man, it, that team knew how to win. Then after that season, we knew how to win. What do you remember yeah. about those crowds at home later in the season, on into the playoffs at NRG Stadium? Man, <laughs> it was packed out almost every weekend. Man, that, that it was loud. I remember one time, Tone Antonio Smith was <laughs> coming out with that mask, and the crowd was man, they were so loud. I said, "Wow!" They were still cheering after me still as loud as they were with Antonio. I was like, man, what is this? That was nice, man. I have family that lives in Houston, and they was talking about how much that the city was on fire those years. That made me, made me feel good, man. There's Drew Doherty with Daniel Manning. We have more of Manning coming up. Very interesting guy. They got him before the 2011 season. You know the story. They've been talking about it. More of that and then some next on Texans All Access. Great to have you listening to Texans All Access. We'll be back with more on Lovey Smith, on the draft, and all sorts of stuff tomorrow. Later on this week, Brian Erlacher, also of the Chicago Bears, but Daniel Manning, former Bear, former Texan. Let's get back into the conversation with him and Drew Doherty.
2012 goes really well, doesn't end the way you like it. You know, you start out 11 and one, and then we saw what happened there at the very end. You leave the Texans for a little bit, but you come back. What was the second time around like for you? It, it was different. Um, I wasn't mentally where I wanted to be. I mean, certain things had happened. The organization kind of took a change. So I, it was back to business, but it wasn't as fun as I liked. So that which was led to my me making a decision of retiring because I didn't want to play for any other team after that. I was like, no, nah, I'm done. I'm going to be a Texan for life. Played well, but I just – football wasn't in me anymore. It's understandable if it's not in you. I hear you guys say it all the time. You got to get out because yeah, it's not something you can do if you're not a thousand percent committed. I'm just not a competitor that way. Just to do it for the money. Sure. Uh, I wanted to really play and make a difference, and because I know at the end of the day, you can't play this game long, so you better play it the right way. Hey, was the Bears game when you guys go up there on Sunday Night Football that second year in 2012? Was that was that your favorite game as a Houston Texan personally? It, it, it ranks up there. Uh, it was a lot going on that week. Man, I was getting so many people calling me, media, about that game, and I never really thought about that game. Now, I, I did circle it, mm-hmm. but as the season went on and progressed before we played, I never thought about that game. I, I, I really didn't. And uh, that, But they, it was a pretty fun game, man. <laughs> Big hits, a couple takeaways, Texans win yeah. the game. I mean, yeah. yeah, you had made the speech to the team the night before. You know, Gary Kubiak. I did. He talked a few times, Kubiak did, after that, how he gave one of those chills speeches where you you really fired guys up and got in, got guys inspired. I did. I stood, man. I stood up on top of the chair and looked over everybody, and it was a good one. It was a good one, man. <laughs> well, what are your favorite memories? What's your favorite memory of your your time playing as a Texan? Tailgating with some of the fans. I sometimes after, I would, after wins, right? No, nah, it would happen before. I didn't do anything for seeing people and. Just trying to be regular and let, let them know and football players, we're doing a great job, but I just want to have fun. It helped me relax a little bit. Then I would circle back and come inside the stadium. <laughs> not bad. I did not know that was uh, something you oh, did. It was, oh, man, it was quiet. I was quiet about it. Would you I eat did a lot anything? Of things like that. Huh? Would you eat anything when you went tailgating? No, I didn't I didn't do anything. Oh, okay. I've been hanging out, taking pictures. Just mingled. Okay. And, and just mingled. And, or I said, hey, I'm not taking any pictures, man. So I don't. Yeah, I didn't want to get in trouble. I guess I can talk about it now because I'm. Yeah, you can talk about. It. I wish you would have let me back know back then because Skirfield and I would have followed you around, gotten some video. Would have been. Oh nice. man, if I would have had a gold, you would have gotten five. I would have bummed him one of my games. That better hunting. <laughs> yeah, it's, so, you're probably right. You're probably probably better. Man, off and I used to get a lot of guys on the team when I played. They would joke with me because I didn't listen to all the love rap music. Listen to that when I played. I listened to some jazz. I had an old spirit, man, and. I listen to jazz and R&B before I play. <laughs> you know, you might be surprised, but I ask as part of an interview I do on a weekly basis here now, I ask these guys, mm-hmm. hey, what do you listen to before the game? How much do you sleep before the game? What do you eat before the game? It's almost 80% guys listening to something calm on game. Mm-hmm. I, and mm-hmm. like, like Laramie Tunsil, left tackle, pro bowler, he says he listens to Sade. I mean, oh, man, he's jamming. Yeah, so it, it, you're not alone. You, you're probably a trendsetter, if anything. Yeah, I remember those times in the locker room. I know you. We fighting over the radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who was in charge of it back then? I can't remember. Antonio. Yeah. Okay. Me, uh, who else? With Connor Baldwin. Yeah, those. Because y'all were right by them. that little gap in the locker. Right. A wood and, uh, we don't let anybody touch it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and then we wouldn't. And then it was offense against defense, and we, we didn't like offense. 
<laughs> Who do you keep in touch with still from uh, from your Texans days? Man, I talk uh, J. Joe every now and again. Uh, um, yeah, we saw him yesterday. K-Jack. K-Jack. Okay. Um, Antonio, we talk. Uh, I'm real good friends with Chap. We still talk. I don't oh, know good. if he's still up there. Yeah, um, Tyler, the chaplain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I talked to Trap J. Travis um, Johnson. He's the mayor. Yep. He knows everybody, doesn't he? Oh man, we we talked, and so yeah, uh, it may be some more. I don't want to lose, man. But dang, I miss that team. Yeah, I do. I and we was on to something, man. And I don't. It just you know how that business is. Yeah. It just we gotta they gotta do what's best for them, and we understand that. So. We continue with Drew Doherty and where are they now? Talking to former Texan safety Daniel Manning. It's the beauty of the NFL. It's also the cruelty of the NFL. You know, like exactly greatness yeah. and excellence is not meant to last sometimes. So mm-hmm. you got to take care, take opportunities you get and make the best out of. No doubt. Um, hey, so what's next for you, man? What's going on? What's the what's the future hold for you? I don't know. Um, if, if Lovey calls and asks me to want to come coach, I'll, I'll come back and try to coach. Uh, <laughs> All right. I would, I would. Um, right now, man, I'm, I'm, I'm away, watch my kids. You know, I have three in high school, so okay. they coming out back to back. So I want to be around, make sure if I need to travel, because I want to see them play. Sure. Just got married, been married for three years, just had another baby. Ah, oh, congratulations. Thank you. She's, she's two. Two. And, all right. Yeah, man, I started all over. <laughs> yeah, you did hit the reset yeah. button there, man. Oh man, but I got a lovely wife, and man, everything is, everything is great. Um getting to see my family now because I, I emerged myself in football yeah there's a lot of people I missed out man I can tell you a great story yeah uh, two years ago uh, I just found out who my biological father was I did not know that really yeah how would and that go down what happened people say things that they don't need to talk about and it, I got wind of it so I called the guy up and uh we got a test done and he turned out to be my father oh. so we we've been hanging out you know, and getting to know him. Got to see my whole side of the family that grew up in the same town I grew up in, but didn't didn't did not know my family. Wow. So, yeah, that's crazy, huh? I'm guessing you learned some things about yourself that you maybe see, oh, I, I see that in him. Man, I is that true or it's um the talent. Some of that ta- my dad played professional baseball. Really? Yeah. He played he got drafted out of high school somewhere in Detroit. And then uh-huh. he he went to college at TCU, and then he got drafted again for to the Reds, Cincinnati Reds. And he played like nine years. Really, he made yeah. it to the big leagues. No, nah, uh, he didn't make it to the big leagues. He was on their farm teams. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But yeah, yep. I knew you. Okay, so you play, obviously played football in high school, and I I'm pretty sure you did track as well. Were you a baseball player? Did you? Basketball? I was a baseball player. So you did, I was you did a baseball player. All four baseball, basketball, football, and track. Was that? Yeah, I did. I didn't play them all in high school. Okay. I, all I did was well, football and track. Football and track. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. And in the hunt, you ran like the hundred, I guess, or. Mm-hmm. And you were in like back then. You probably ran like eight seconds, right? Because you're. Yeah. I, that's what it seemed like clock, watching you I in high at school. 10, I was like, 15 in high school. You what? I was clocked at 10, 15 in high school. Yeah, I believe it. Like I, I trust at, seeing you on the field. I believe it. Because earlier, that, like a week or two before when I was covering those games, mm-hmm. I saw Arlington Lamar play somebody, and they had a pretty good team that year. And they had a receiver who was a junior. Okay. 
They ran like an option or a wish. They ran some sort of running offense. They threw the ball maybe twice a game. Okay. But the two times they threw it to this guy, it was like, well, what's going on? Why doesn't he get the ball more? A, and who is this? Well, yeah. turns out it was Jeremy Warner. He went on to win gold medals <laughs> in the 400 meters. And he's, he had like long hair. He had the yeah. kind of mullet and he yeah. wore like a puka, puka shell necklace. But yeah, I remember seeing Jeremy Warner and Danielle Manning and a few yeah. other, the heralds of Ennis, Texas were getting, getting going there Man, too. You, you know, my, um, what Zach Harrell is the coach in Ennis. I mean, mm -hmm. in uh, Athens, my, that's where my kids go to school. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's funny. That's, that's a small world. Life is coming back around, huh? Coming back around, man. I'm just sitting back enjoying it. I'm not Danielle. into hustling and bustling anymore, man. <laughs> Danielle, it's so good to see you, my friend. I'm glad you're doing oh, yeah. well. Congrats on the marriage and the baby and, and good Thank luck you. with the rest of life with your children moving forward Thank and taking to college. And hey, don't be a stranger. Let's do this again sometime soon. Sound good? Oh, yeah, no problem. There it is. Drew Doherty with Daniel Manning. A little where are they now? Part of Texans All Access. Johnny Harris back tomorrow. Draft Wednesday. Are we going to start those up? The mystery of it all. Just tune in at 6 and find out. Have a great night, everyone. Thank you, Austin, for producing. Go Texans.